All right, welcome to the demo here. So we are going to make a room first into a racer head, and then we're going to make a room into the 2001 uh, Space Odyssey. And let's introduce some of what we're going to be cooking with. Okay, so we have we have a couple noise sources here. This is a blue noise. This is a gray noise. And my favorite, here's a red noise. Let me uh, isolate. Let me isolate the red noise and play it a little loud so you can hear just how much of a thunderstorm this sounds like. You're hearing uh, Eraserhead already, aren't you? So this is a very turbulent noise that we will then mix with some more mellow noises. Pull back the red a little bit. And then I also, for lack of time, didn't spend a year recording random noises like Alan Splett and David Lynch. Instead, I just have a field recording here of some construction. And through the benefit of technology, I have this connected to a radio music module, which allows me to slow down the pitch. So let me do that. also make it fast. <laughs> it's pretty fun. So that's fast rolling. But nice and slowed down. Do you hear how that suddenly just becomes sort of random moments? Let's bring back in our noise. I would say right about here is where most sound designers stop. They would think that this is a pretty close move towards making it sound like a David Lynch scene and they would do one thing, then they would add reverb to it. And uh, that's usually where people go wrong. I don't think much reverb was used in Eraserhead. Instead, I believe. Okay, what you're hearing now is the star of the show this week. Let me pull the other noise completely out of this. So I've sent this same sound. I'll go back and forth from them. So this is our scene that we made. It doesn't sound too interesting now, just for those milliseconds you got to see, you got to hear it going through a fixed filter bank. Let's turn that off and put it through the fixed filter bank here. And just the, just the sound by itself, <clears throat> just the sound by itself is enough 
to immediately impress you. It flattens it out. Listen to that. Listen to that construction now. Very close to an eraser head moment. Let's slow it down a little bit. So there we've got. And I can play with the volume. All I'm doing is playing construction right now going into a fixed filter bank. And I haven't even wowed you yet with the cool shit you can do with a fixed filter bank. Let's bring up our noise into it. Once again, at this point, a sound designer might say, that's pretty damn close to Eraserhead. Let's put that into our uh, horror movie or whatever. But here's what you want to do once you have an, a nice, nicely uh, configured inductor-based fixed filter bank, because you can play the dials. So the most obvious thing to do is to pull the high pass out. And that'll just make a floor. Now you can play different parts of the floor with each different dial. Just to describe what you're not seeing, what you're probably hearing, is there is a mix of frequencies that overlap on a fixed filter bank. and. The low pass and the high pass are the two most abrupt filters. I'll just dial them down to just all low pass. And here you'll just, uh, most of your speakers probably won't even hear this. There should be a low thumb, low rumble. Let's bring in a little construction into that. And look at that. Very close to being an instant eraser head mood. You can do this yourself pretty well with a noise generator and an equalizer, but it's not going to have this kind of <laughs> this presence. Sorry, you're going to have to go back in time to uh, get a 907 fixed filter bank or deal with the terrible eBayers for these things, but they don't show up too often. And here is a high pass filter, so that's all low. Here's all high. So this is just the high pass part. Here's the construction noise. See how much it cuts out? Can you even detect this to be construction noise? No, you can't. Here's the noise. And red doesn't even show up on this. On this. Let's bring that back in. And now let's <laughs> now let's uh, bring in. Okay, then we have a corresponding set of bands that equal that equal different frequencies. And on the 907, it's about 200 through 2800. 250 being the lowest dial, and then 2800 being the highest. And I haven't even brought back in the low pass. Whenever I want to play in some wind, I can just pull that low pass right in. But then I've got all these different... This is again high. Then we got low. Then 
And one thing to point out here is there is no reverb. I'm using no delay. The reverberation is really just the harmonics of the individual bands. So that's something to think about if you're a room designer or sound designer trying to mix for film. Sometimes a dry signal is going to help you out a lot better. If you properly filter it, you can get the equivalent of a reverb and then you can reverb later if you really need to. But the minute you, re you add reverb to anything, you are diluting it, kind of smudging it. And I want some good banging hammering. Here. So here, I'll play the construction nice and loud here. Or nice and quick. Let me pull it. Slow it down. See how uh, much you slow it down immediately becomes. Eraser had seen. point of the tutorial where we'll show you the really fun part, which is how to get into the radiator with the little lady. Sing uh, for her to sing that in heaven song. The way this is done is first you make one recording of the wind. And all I'm doing is dialing back and forth the one hat 1000 frequency dial. pull the construction down to just show you how you can do this with wind by itself. Alright, so one of the more wonderful moments of Eraserhead is when you go into the hissing radiator. Here we have the radiator, which is most of the high pass, and then you're just going to introduce different parts of the low-pass. You hear yourself going slowly into the radiator there? Go watch the scene again, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And now I'm going to overdo it by adding more hissing. But basically the way this works is the way I'm describing it, is I'm just dialing back different parts of sound. I have a radiator that I have put together just with a couple of colors of noise and I just open up different frequencies of it on a knob and the way a fixed filter bank works with an inductor is that those frequencies overlap for harmonics. So here you have the first one and you've got another one ghostly isn't it? Just play that loud a little bit. You can 
see how this can become a lot of fun. This demo's gone on for 20 minutes, or 15, this demo's gone on for 15 minutes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, to finish this, I have a uh, cheat. To finish this, I also have a cheat here. I have a uh, Lyra 8 from Soma. And this, of course, did not exist in 1976 or 1977 when Lynch was doing final sound design. But this is probably the nicest drone synth ever made, and it makes for a good little room to captivate. To add. doing here is we're kind of bringing in some more spacey elements and we're tra transitioning to the next part of the demo which will just show you how to make 2001 and so we're going to want to turn our construction off because obviously there's no construction in space Stanley Kubrick uh, insisted on that even when he was faking the moon landing he said they can't leave a hammer on any part of the moon Alright, so to make HAL, or the room, HAL, I want to get rid of the red noise. And you want to bring in a lot of lighter noises. So we have a gray one, we're going to bring in a pink. I'm going to get rid of the, uh, Lyra right for now. And we've got some, uh, just some pleasant noises. Hal is actually much easier to do. I think at one point we really stopped sounding like Eraserhead and instead sort of uh, Eraserhead-themed sound design. But let's, uh, let's bring in, so... Alright, here's the sound of space. Whenever you hear uh, Dave just hanging out in uh, Discovery 1 talking to Hal on a good day. It's just simple, spacey, fixed filtered mix of blue and pink.
blending it becomes a lot less playful <laughs> when we're dealing with uh, Hal. It's still kind of fun to match. So one of the key uses of Hal is actually this high pass dial. the way down, everything else. There we go. This is a lot of the sound of space is just in these ranges on the fixed filter bank. And he plays with them very subtly. When you watch 2001 next, like that, and we can now we can bring in our uh, Russian synthesizer. Now, of course. In 2001, you hear a lot of things below this. This is the machine noise. But pretty cool, huh? So the thing is, uh, any other kind of deep harmonic... I'm going to change the mood very drastically if I do this. So this is the sounds of the airlock. can't do that for you, Dave. Now I'll open the airlock door. <laughs> so that is uh, in a nut how you get Eraserhead or 2001. That's a great sound right there. So you would want to play this obviously very low. You wouldn't want to th make the whole sound, the whole film about this noise. But here you are on board the Discovery One in 2001. So in terms of uh, tools you might want to do this with your phone, there is an iPhone app that is just simply called Noises. I think it's either really cheap or free. I think you need to pay to unlock an equalizer on it. But it's great if it still exists. Some of these apps uh, disappear, especially with Apple uh, forcing 64-bit upgrades on 
all their old stuff. They kind of destroyed a lot of old apps, but I'm pretty sure Noises still exists, and I'll leave a link to it in the Boing Boing post. Let's bring a uh, little uh, David Lynch into this. this in your house. There's actually a very good fake fixed filter bank in a Moog app. Uh, the Moog Model 15 app has a fixed filter bank in there and it sounds very very close. I don't mean to call it a fake fixed filter bank. It's a real one but it's digital. You're not going to get certain harmonics but maybe you can. It's pretty well done so you would just need that noise app called Noises and then route that audio through the Model 15 Moog app. And it might take a little learning curve to figure out how to move that stuff around. But if you can see how pleasant noise is once you get into just sort of enjoying it, I've just been playing the dial around. Finally, we have one more piece here. Alright, right here we have a uh, beautiful item called the Scat Talker. And this is uh, already right out of the gate, beautiful sounding. <laughs> this is just calibration mode. This is uh, Synthetic Sound Labs makes a made, I don't think they have any more left, which is a shame because it was kind of built on a on a scarce uh, chip, voice chip from the uh, 70s and 80s called, I think it was the Voxtrox chip. It uses the exact same voice chips that you heard in War Games, in War Games, Qbert, and a bunch of other, uh, and some home robots from the 80s. I'm not making any of this up. They all used this chip. And what's kind of fun, so I'm in the calibration mode setting. I'm going to exit calibration, and it should start to play Daisy for you. <laughs> yeah, let's try and play it again. Here we go, Daisy. So you've gotten into... Um, whole bunch of mess here with Hal. Let's turn off the... Alright, so you have gotten to the point where you are taking away Hal's, uh, voice chip. And it was actually sang by a voice actor, the, uh, sound of Daisy. But the whole idea behind the Daisy song was that Kubrick visited a computer station, I think it was NASA or something similar, but they were talking about the future of computer speech, and to demonstrate that, they had a phoneme generator that played out a simple poem called Daisy, and he loved it, Kubrick loved it, so he included it as sort of the, uh, the ending of Hal in the film. 
um, when he's sort of going back to childhood as a computer and the first thing he was ever taught was this song. And so as a tribute to that, the Scat Talker includes a Daisy demo. Uh, I should explain that a Scat Talker is actually a wonderful module that has all the phonemes of speech included. And after I do the Daisy module, I'll play with that a little bit so you can hear exactly what I mean. But here it is, a computer chip playing Daisy. That's pretty good. So it doesn't play... And you can actually make the pitch even slower. Yeah, let's play it again. And here we will kill Daisy. <laughs> this demo is not going exactly like I wanted it to. There we go. So you're just hearing phonemes of, uh, and then you can kill it by making it go in slow and slower. So just to finish our, just to finish our, uh, demo here, we have Daisy. slow it down so because you're so now we're gonna kill pal a little bit so it's gonna slow down while it dies that guy. In closing for our show, we have the two final pieces of The Apartment, which I've been serializing since episode uh, 15. So it began in episode 15, continued through in episode 16, and concludes this week with episode 17. And you can find more information about The Apartment, which was my first uh, spoken word project. I recorded it in 2003, wrote and recorded it, and it was based on some experiences in 1996 and includes a lot of field recording, actually, from 1996. 
the second track I think ends on a sound of the elevated train or the L in Chicago. It's a recording that I made in 1994 or so. And interestingly, I just didn't know what to do with the apartment when I first recorded the vocals in the first part of the music in 2003. And so it stayed in its recording format, which was a zip disc and digital audio tape. And very quickly, both of those formats became inaccessible because my zip drive broke. They all break. And my uh, access to a digital audio tape player was gone. So both of these things made me unable to access these original vocals. In 2015, I got a lot of that material uh, saved or rescued from those tapes and uh, those discs by digitizing a lot of stuff. And then around 2019, I decided to finish the apartment and mastered it in 2020. And so you can actually see the full apartment on my Bandcamp page, which is eptc.bandcamp.com. It's bringing a little little noise. I feel like I'm talking a lot. Uh, But uh, you can also support the show by picking up a copy of the apartment or picking up a collection of the Paul Krasner conversations, which were, I think, episodes two through about eight. Those are all collected on one set. And then you'll also see on that Bandcamp page, episodes one through 10 collected as a single download there too. So three different ways to support the show and the best way you can show support would be just telling two random people every week about spoken word with electronics i would appreciate that if you are enjoying the show just tell two random people or two people that uh, trust you and like your recommendations tell uh two different people every time you hear an episode and you go that was a good episode well pay me back by telling two random <laughs> random people <laughs> I, uh, I thank you for listening to the show, and I hope you enjoy knowing now how to bring Eraserhead or 2001 into any uh, social setting. We'll leave you now with the apartment. Have a uh, great week. Talk to you later.